When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You ready for this? Johnson asks me. Who do you think you're talking to, young buck? I reply jokingly. Or don't you remember that I trained you? I should be asking if you're ready. Johnson laughs. All right, all right, Fuller. Or should I say, old man Fuller? I'll show you, old man. Johnson <laughs> chuckles half-heartedly. We lapse into the silence that always comes before a secure mission. Both of us are suited up in full hazmat gear, waiting outside an old abandoned warehouse for the go-ahead. Team two is waiting on the other side of the warehouse, and backup teams have set up a perimeter around the dilapidated place. I look down through the clear plastic of my helmet visor and double-check the safety on my tranquilizer gun. I'm hoping I won't have to use the weapon. You can never tell with these things. Sometimes tranquilizers don't do anything but piss them off. I hope this one's different. There haven't been any reports of extreme violence, so at least there's that. I glance up at the half moon. It looks like it dropped from the heavens and got wedged in the sky. As always before a secure mission, my thoughts drift to my wife, Shelly, and my two daughters. They are what keep me going in this line of work. If it wasn't for them, I think I would have gone mad a long time ago. My earpiece crackles and brings me back to reality. Team one and team two, you are a go. Get this done quickly and safely, copy? Copy that, I say. Copy. The other team leader, Kuznicki, says, I move toward the open doorway 15 feet to my left, knowing that Johnson will follow behind without being told. We clean the area immediately inside the doorway. There's nothing major, just trash, ancient broken office equipment, and the odd flying insect. We move forward to a second doorway, this one leading to the cavernous main interior of the warehouse. Thin strips of moonlight provide faint illumination through long broken windows set high in the warehouse's walls. I switch on the built-in flashlight on my tranquilizer rifle. Johnson does the same behind me. The sprawling warehouse floor is scattered with old abandoned tents, cots, shopping carts, pilfered furniture, ancient fast food wrappers, and rusting soup cans. Apparently, this place was a kind of tent city before the SCP moved in. Now, it's a ghost town. All of a sudden, I hear creatures scurrying around us. It was a sound I was familiar with. It is the sound of rats. There are also more insects buzzing around in the air, but I try to ignore them. I've never liked insects, never will. They give me the creeps. I see four flashlight beams illuminating from the other side of the warehouse. It is team two. Two of them carry a metal and plexiglass case slightly larger than a coffin. The other two lead the way. Johnson and I scan the warehouse as we move towards Team Two. Except for the bugs in the air, 
and the mice crawling around on the floor. The warehouse is empty. Anything? I ask as we meet with Team Two. Nothing, Kuzniki says. What now? I hate to say it, but I think we need to follow the bugs, I tell him. I was afraid of that, Kuzniki says. He turns to the two guys carrying the plexiglass case. Sans, Baxter, stay here. We'll locate it and call you in. Copy that, Sans says. Over there, sir, Johnson says, gesturing with his flashlight beam. I look in that direction and see a noticeable difference in insect density. There seems to be a cloud of the bugs swarming over a relatively intact tent about 30 yards away, near the north side of the warehouse. I suppress a sigh. Let's move. As we get closer to the tent, the insects seem to get more and more agitated, and they seem to multiply. We're within 10 yards when they start attacking us, dive-bombing us and bouncing off our suits. I've never been happier to be in a hazmat suit than I am right now. Most of them are common houseflies, I think, but it's hard to tell for sure. Pretty soon, the sound of the bugs smashing into my helmet is nearly deafening. I hurry up to the tent and rip the front of it open with one hand while keeping my tranquilizer gun ready with the other. It's not protocol, but the insects are getting to me. I shine my flashlight into the tent and freeze. I sense someone over my left shoulder, and I can barely hear Johnson say, Oh my God! Over my earpiece. Inside the tent is a swarming mass of rats, mice, spiders, centipedes, flies, cockroaches, and what seems like a hundred other insects. They're all in constant movement, undulating and pulsing and seething. Part of the mass moves, and I jerk my flashlight up to illuminate it. Two human eyes stare up at me, barely visible through the mass of vermin. There's nothing but sheer terror in those eyes. I take a step back from the tent, my stomach in knots. There's a person under there, I say. Sands and Baxter, get up here now. The cloud of insects seems to be thickening with each passing moment. It's becoming increasingly harder to see through them. I need you to stand up. I need you to do it now. I yell at the person, unsure whether it's a man or a woman. The seething mass moves as the person underneath sits up inside the tent. Layers of vermin fall off, allowing me to see bits of a long beard. It's a man. He moves to get on his knees and crawl out of the tent, crushing hundreds of insects as he does so. The rats and mice are quick enough to get out of his way. We step back with our weapons trained on him as the man comes out of the tent and stands up. He moves slowly and puts his hands up as soon as he's standing. Any insects that fell off seem to reaccumulate as he stands still, once again covering his whole body with a carpet of moving vermin. The bugs are still pelting all of us, but I'm so taken aback by what I see before me that I manage to ignore them for the most part. Baxter and Sands come up behind us with the larger case. Put your hands down and stand still. We're going to take you away. We're going to try and help you, I yell at the man. I think I see a nod, but it's hard to tell through all the insects. He puts his hands down. Sands opens the front panel on the case and Baxter assists in lifting it. They bring it over and place it in front of the man. The rest of us shift positions to keep him covered with our weapons. Step in, Sands yells. Please, make our lives easier, just step in, I think. The man does. Sands quickly closes the panel and locks it. Then he makes sure the filters are open so the man can breathe. With all the insects and rats, I'm doubtful that he'll get enough air, but there's nothing I can do about that. If he dies, well, death might be a mercy for him. Subject secured, we're coming out. I say as we head out of the warehouse. 
The cloud of insects that didn't go into the case dispersed behind us. You were on the team that captured SCP-027, correct, Officer Fuller? Dr. Jameson asks. Yes, sir, I say. We're in separate rooms to prevent possible contamination, talking to each other through a speaker system. Standard procedure in a situation like this. And that was two weeks and five days ago? Dr. Jameson says into the speaker, looking at me through the interview window. Yes, sir, I believe so. You were also the one that found SCP-027 dead today. Dr. Jameson asks. Yes, sir, I am, or I was, on his containment and protection team. Mm-hmm. And have you experienced anything unusual lately? Any strange insect or rodent sightings? Any abnormal feelings at all? No, sir, everything has been normal. Good, good. You see, we just don't know much about SCP-027, so we must take precautions. You understand? Yes, sir. I've been with the Foundation long enough to know how this goes, I say, smiling. Ah, yes, that's right. Not your first rodeo. Well, once we get your tests back, which should be in a couple of hours, we'll be able to get you out of here. Great. All right. Thank you for your time, Officer Fuller, Dr. Jameson says, getting up to leave. Hey, Doc, how did he die? SCP-027? I can always read it on the report later, but I'd like to get your opinion on it. Yes, well, we found that he had a family of rats living in his abdomen, actually for quite some time by the looks of things. As far as we can tell, his cause of death was severe internal bleeding. However, it's unclear why this would happen now, since it looked as if those rats had been living in his body for several generations. I swallow hard before speaking again. Something was keeping him alive while those rats were in him? It seems that way, yes. Damn. You think he was in pain? Dr. Jameson gives me a look, like that of a teacher losing patience with a student. Yes, Officer Fuller, quite a lot of pain. Dr. Jameson leaves the interview room and I'm left alone. I lay on the small twin bed and stare at the ceiling, waiting for my test results to come in. There's a small enclosed area with a toilet, a sink, and shower, but I haven't been in here long enough to use any of them, and I don't plan on it. In all my years with the Foundation, I've never spent more than a couple of hours in one of these rooms. I follow all procedures to the T to make sure I'm not contaminated. I lay back and close my eyes and try not to think about what it would be like to live covered in bugs and rats living in your abdomen. Somehow, I drift off to sleep. I wake up coughing sometime later. I swing my legs off the bed and get into a sitting position. It feels like there's something in my throat, something moving. I gag and retch and finally cough something small and black onto the floor between my feet. It's a housefly and it's still alive. I try to smash it with my foot, but it takes off and buzzes around my head. I swat at it and miss. Officer Fuller? The voice causes me to jump. I turn to look at the interview window and see Dr. Jameson standing there, looking concerned. Hey, doc, I say getting up. What are the results? Can I get out of here now? I'd like to go home and see my family. The results are all clear, Dr. Jameson says. But what is that in there? Is that a fly? What? Oh yeah, just a fly. Must have come in with me. Dr. Jameson stares at me for a moment. You and I both know, Officer Fuller, that there's no way a fly came into that room with you. Decontamination procedures make it impossible. And it's a completely sealed room with HEPA filters and UV purifiers for the air, among other measures. 
Not to mention the pains we take to keep insects out of this facility. Now, tell me exactly what happened. Nothing, Doc. I fell asleep on the bed and woke up with a fly in my throat. Must have crawled in there while I was sleeping. That's it. So if my tests clear me, I'd like to leave now, please. Dr. Jameson says nothing. His eyes are wide and staring, but they're not looking at me. They're looking past me. I turn around slowly, my heart pounding in my temples. There are at least six flies now buzzing around the room. One of them lands on me, then another. No, I say, oh no. I spin around and look at Doc through the window. The expression on his face does little to comfort me. Doc, you've got to help me. You've got to fix this, please. My family, my wife, my doc. Suddenly something is in my throat. Something dry and sharp and squirming up my airway. Panic grips me. The room spins as my body reacts, my throat convulsing to get the intruder out. I cough and gag and spit out a large cockroach that immediately scurries along the floor and up my pant leg. I swat it off and smash it beneath my boot. Then I turn and see a small cloud of buzzing insects in the room behind me. I notice with revulsion that there are dozens of gnats and flies crawling on my uniform and on my skin underneath. I turn back to the window and Dr. Jameson on the other side. Where are they coming from? I scream. Make them stop! I, I, I'll get you some help, Fuller. Dr. Jameson sputters. We'll figure this out. He says before leaving the interview room, looking over his shoulder at me in horror. I turn to see that the number of bugs has nearly doubled in the room. Each passing second brings me more and more of them to my skin. The feeling of their little legs on me, crawling and crawling and never stopping, pushes me close to insanity. My lungs heave, my vision blurs, and my ears ring. Then there's incredible pain as something moves in my stomach. Something big. SCP-027 appears to be a phenomenon of unknown source that seems to be tied to one human subject at a time. As a host to SCP-027, subject 027-02 is constantly surrounded by swarming vermin that are drawn to his location. The subject does not appear able to assert control over these creatures in any way, and is in fact prone to occasional attacks from feral specimens. These creatures have also been known to attack personnel who approach too closely. Wherever the subject goes, an initial swarm of flying insects, such as gnats and flies, will start to form a cloud around him, usually within two to three minutes. Shortly thereafter, crawling animals, including lice, cockroaches, worms, spiders, mice, and rats will begin to appear. The longer the subject remains in a location, the more vermin will gather there. When the subject leaves a location, some of these creatures will follow, but most will disperse. It is not yet known how SCP-027 chooses or attracts animals, or even what SCP-027 exactly is. The previous host never expressed having any sort of communication with a separate conscious entity. Analysis of the current host has been inconclusive at best. Thanks for listening. To get notified every time a new episode is released, be sure to click the follow or subscribe button and turn on all notifications.